is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Man, oh man, Ashevitz, you want to hang in today's show. I've got a lot to go over. And by the way, is there a more demonstrably failed, horrifically failed ideology than Marxism-Socialism? Nicaragua's going down now, Venezuela's gone down, Cuba's gone down, North Korea, and yet we have these kooks in our own country. Ooh, look at this 28-year-old woman in New York. She's great. Let's celebrate her. She's a Marxist. No, I'm not. I'm a social democrat. No, you're a Marxist. They're all Marxists. You want to know the truth. All right, but anyway. You know, the Supreme Court decision's a big deal. And I'm being lobbied including from some really, really dear friends, and I'll keep it confidential, but I'm being lobbied for Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is on the circuit court in Washington, D.C. He served on Ken Starr's staff, but he also served on the staff of George W. Bush. Did you know that? I think he was staff secretary. He reported to Carl Rove for a period of time. He's very well-known in Washington, D.C. legal circles, at the Federalist Society, in the White House Counsel's Office, by the leadership of the Republicans on Capitol Hill. And I only point this out, because if I don't point it out, nobody else will. Now, he's written some many, some very, very nice opinions, but there are some questions. And, you know, it's not the left that just gets to raise questions and demand, hey, abortion, 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 uh, as they look out for the American people. We get to raise some questions, too. We get to raise some questions, too. There are a lot of, as I said, very good nominees, uh, nominees, proposed candidates on the president's list. But Susan Collins wants to go beyond the list. She says, we need to look beyond the list, folks. And, of course, as Susan Collins goes, so goes the conservative movement in the Republican Party. We know that. But I'm going to go over these nominees a little bit later. But this is a very important thing. I don't know why the president has set July 9th as the deadline. July 9th is next Monday. I'll tell you what concerns me is he's being pushed into a decision very, very quickly before people can speak out outside the inner circle of the White House, outside the council's office, outside the Federalist Society, and say, uh, Mr. President, you know you have some people on that list who are so spectacular. You really ought to go for an A candidate rather than settle on somebody else. Uh, I guarantee you're not hearing this anywhere in the talk radio world because it's uh, everybody's scared or they're unknowledgeable and they're sitting back waiting to get the pom-poms out. You know how it goes. Uh, but I do have some concerns. I'm not saying I'm against him necessarily, Kavanaugh. I'm just saying there's a few red flags that have popped up in my mind. Again, I'm not saying I'm against him, but I'm not saying I'm going to do the... Uh, the what? I'm not going to start a conga line for him either. 
Uh, there's other people on that list. A judge by the name of Barrett, who the president put on the Seventh Circuit, I think she's spectacular. And there's others. Hardiman's quite good. But, again, I'll get to that in a moment. First, I want to address Susan Collins. You know, uh, I wrote this book, my first book, Men in Black, 13 years ago. And I start the book out, among other ways, talking about precedent and stare decisis, which is precedent for all intents and purposes. And I condemn it. Sure, it's something you can look at, but it's not controlling. What's controlling is the Constitution. We've had this talk, you and I. I spent a lot of time on it last week. A lot of time over the course of my career on radio. But I want to really hone in on this. Really hone in on this because of Susan Collins' performance Sunday on ABC News with uh, Obama reporter uh, Raditz. And I think the best way to get started here is to listen to Susan Collins in part. So let's start with uh, cut two, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. You know, you talk about that list of 25. That list was made public. And I know you said you wanted the list expanded. The president has said he's going to talk to six or seven people. But was there anybody on that list of those 25 that you outright objected to? There are people on that list uh, whom I could not support because I believe that they have demonstrated a disrespect for the vital principle of uh, stare decisis, which, as Chief Justice Roberts has said, is a fundamental principle of our judicial system that promotes even-handedness and stability. All right. She's into stare decisis, precedent. And if you don't respect that, she can't support you. Because you're an activist. Cut one, go. You talked about precedent. You support abortion rights. What will you do to ensure that remains in place with the nominee? Now, is that a normal question for a reporter? What will you do to make sure abortion rights stays in place with the nominee? I detest these frauds, these phony reporters, these pseudo-media types. But anyway, go ahead. I'm going to have an in-depth discussion with the nominee. Well, that'll take five years, just based on the way you talk. Uh, Anyway, go ahead. And... I believe very much that Roe v. Wade is settled law, as it has been described by Chief Justice Roberts. It has been established as a constitutional right for 46 years, 45 years. All right, let's stop. Do you know Plessy versus Ferguson was an established law for 58 years? Separate but equal is equal. Segregation. Do you know that? That decision wasn't overturned until 1954. It was issued in, in my memory, 1896. So that was the established position of the Supreme Court for longer than Roe v. Wade. Go ahead. And was reaffirmed 26 years ago. So a nominee's position on whether or not they respect precedent will tell me a lot about whether or not they would overturn okay so she hasn't said i will support a constitutionalist to uphold the constitution and whatever 
So she says she supports stare decisis that is precedent, and she keeps pointing to Roe v. Wade because she is a absolute radical on this issue, as I will demonstrate in a moment. But let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this again. And I'm going to talk about this on Levin TV at length, too, tonight. Men in Black. I mean, after all, I wrote the book. Look at the cases of Dred Scott versus Sanford, Plessy versus Ferguson, and Korematsu versus United States. They were abominations. They were all examples of judicial activism. The court either ignored the clear mandates of the Constitution in favor of a desired result or usurped legislative authority. And these decisions had tragic and far-reaching consequences. The Supreme Court has done some horrific things that have led to horrific outcomes. And yet the left wants you to believe the court is better than the other branches of government. Why? Because the left has been far more effective in using the courts to advance its ideology. Now you hear about this case Dred Scott, right? Well, what was Dred Scott? Dred Scott was a slave. And the Dred Scott case was decided in 1856. And it's one of the most infamous cases in American history. Now, he was a slave whose master, an army surgeon, had taken him to posts in Missouri and Illinois and what is now Minnesota. And when his so-called master died, Scott was inherited by his widow. But encouraged by white friends, Scott sued for his freedom on the grounds that he lived no, uh, so long in free territory that he should be considered a free man. So the questions before the Supreme Court were whether Scott was a citizen of the United States with a right to sue in federal court, whether prolonged residence in a free state had made him free, whether Fort Snelling, part of the Louisiana Purchase, now Minnesota, was free territory, and whether Congress could enact a law that banned slavery in the land acquired in the Louisiana Purchase. Now, Chief Justice Roger Taney was pro-slavery. He was a South Carolina Justice, a chief justice. He was an activist. He wrote the majority opinion. And he ruled that because Scott was not a citizen of the United States, that is, he was property, he did not have standing to even bring his lawsuit. Taney argued that when the Constitution was ratified, citizenship, quote, was perfectly understood to be confined to the white race, and that they alone constituted the sovereignty in the government, unquote. So blacks were not citizens. The opposite, however, was true, as Abraham Lincoln pointed out in a speech on June 26, 1857. Lincoln cited the dissenting opinion of the Supreme Court, that is, Justice Benjamin Curtis, who showed that in five other than 13 states, to wit, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, free Negroes, I'm quoting Lincoln, were voters. And in proportion to their numbers, had the same part in making the Constitution that the white people had, unquote. So Taney purposely twisted the facts. As for Dred Scott's residence in free territory making him free, Taney rejected the argument. But with little explanation, he devoted only one page of his 55-page opinion to that subject, so he blew it off. In the final point, Taney concluded that the Fifth Amendment prohibited people from being deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process because he said slaves were property 
any congressional ban on slavery in the territories of the Louisiana Purchase was unconstitutional because it would deny uh, property without due process. And, of course, a statute cannot overcome the Constitution. Now, what's the answer to this? There is an answer, you know. There is an answer to this. If Taney's an activist, what does the Constitutionalist say? And if Susan Collins believes in precedent, does she believe in the precedent of Dred Scott? If not, why not? Why the precedent in Roe v. Wade, but not the precedent in Dred Scott? Because she agrees with the outcome of Roe v. Wade, and she obviously disagrees with the outcome of Dred Scott, which means she has no, no understanding of the Constitution or any rational process for interpreting the Constitution. So what was the answer to Taney? Under the Constitution, the answer to the activist, the Democrat, Roger Taney, the Chief Justice. I'll give you the answer when we return. Lovin. Stick with me because I feel like we're going to learn a lot together and get to the bottom of this Supreme Court issue that we need to really focus on. So we have this decision in Dred Scott. We have the majority opinion written by a racist, a uh, a man who uh, supported slavery. So what was the answer? You know, Michael McConnell used to be a federal judge. He's at Hoover now, a brilliant man. And uh, Taney's ruling ignored Article 4 of the Constitution. Professor... Michael McConnell, now at Hoover, he pointed this out. He says, it vests in Congress the power to adopt, quote, all needed rules and regulations for the governance of the territories. And nothing in the language or history suggests that decisions about slavery are an exception. Under traditional canons of constitutional interpretation, the court should have given effect to the Missouri Compromise and declared Dred Scott a free man. So Taney presumed, in McConnell's words, that a statute can be unconstitutional because it violates unenumerated rights. And you hear this line about unenumerated rights by the left all the time. In this case, an unenumerated right to slavery. With typical activist flair, I wrote, Taney overruled Congress's power to ban slavery in the territories and imposed his own view on the nation. Now, McConnell quotes, not Mitch McConnell, he's adult. I'm talking about Michael McConnell. He quotes Justice Curtis's dissenting opinion in Dred Scott, quote, When a strict interpretation of the Constitution, according to the fixed rules which govern the interpretation of laws, is abandoned, and the theoretical opinions of individuals are allowed to control its meaning, We have no longer a constitution. We are under the government of individual men who for the time being have power to declare what the constitution is according to their own views of what it ought to mean. This is why this was a national bestseller, by the way. So the originalist, the constitutionalist, was the justice, the associate justice, who wrote the dissenting opinion in Dred Scott. The activist was Taney, the chief justice, who wrote the opinion, the abomination. And you have Susan Collins all over TV, an absolute fool, but so are the reporters who talk to her. Oh, precedent. Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
Now, this is the problem we face. And by the way, I'm going to let you know soon who my favorite choices would be for the Supreme Court. I've already mentioned some before, but I want to talk about it, but still. Let's take Plessy versus Ferguson, decided in 1896. The Supreme Court examined the constitutionality of a Louisiana law requiring railway companies carrying passengers in their coaches to provide equal but separate accommodations for the white and colored races, quote-unquote. The law was challenged under the 14th Amendment, equal protection, which prohibits states from, quote, making or enforcing any law which shall abridge the privileges and immunities of citizens of the United States or shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny to any person within their jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. The majority, led by Justice Henry B. Brown, Democrat, upheld the constitutionality of the Louisiana statute. So in Plessy, an activist Supreme Court upheld a state law that mandated segregation and forced a private industry, a railroad, to separate individuals on account of race. So by failing to invoke the plain language, the text of the 14th Amendment, the activist Supreme Court inserted its own segregationist version of what was just. It took 58 years to overturn that precedent with Brown versus Board. Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. So we have judicial precedent in slavery, in segregation, and that segregation case, Plessy, lasted for 58 years, longer than Roe v. Wade. And Martha Raddatz of ABC News, she's a moron. She either doesn't know this information or could care less or both because they're all about abortion on demand, partial birth abortion. And I will get to that in a minute. We have to be patient, as my wife likes to tell me. <laughs> well... 1944, you know, you might say, well, look, that Plessy versus Ferguson was 1896. The Dred Scott case was 1856, 57. These are modern times. The Supreme Court doesn't do that stuff. Oh, yes, it does. 1944, Korematsu versus United States. The Supreme Court upheld military orders issued by the Democrats' favorite president, Franklin Roosevelt, establishing military authority for the forced internment of Americans during World War II. The court's opinion, only some 20 pages long, was devoid of any legitimate constitutional basis for upholding FDR's orders. More than 110,000 law-abiding individuals, mostly Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese ancestry, were forcibly removed from their homes on the West Coast and relocated to camps in the interior of the country and detained without cause. The Fifth Amendment specifically states, quote, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, unquote. If this wasn't a violation of the Fifth Amendment, then what is? Rather than applying the clear language of the Constitution, this activist 
Democrat-controlled Supreme Court simply upheld FDR's policy. And the court dismissively concluded that war demands sacrifices and certain groups will have to bear certain burdens. And they trash Trump when it comes to Muslims, who never even suggested or thought about anything like this. But FDR is the great FDR. Now, given the sheer inhumanity of these decisions, slavery, segregation, internment, it is difficult to understand why so many regard the Supreme Court as the most moral and just of the three branches of government. These cases are crucial to understanding the danger inherent in judicial activism. When the judiciary utilizes outcome-determinative reasoning rather than adhering to the Constitution, the result can be catastrophic. Activist Supreme Courts have justified slavery, segregation, and racism. They helped precipitate the Civil War and set back race relations for more than a century. But instead of learning the painful lessons of the past, that the Constitution must guide their approach to the law, several current Supreme Court justices are no less committed to judicial activism. And they have their defenders in the Senate. And it's amazing. Susan Collins believes in judicial precedent. Well, thank God Abraham Lincoln didn't. Thank God the justices in Brown versus Board of Education didn't. Thank God the current court, which finally reversed the bases for Korematsu as such as they were, didn't. But Susan Collins does. Let me remind you of Susan Collins' position. And thank the good Lord that she wasn't ever on the Supreme Court. Cut two, go. You know, you talk about that list of 25. That list was made public. And I know you said you wanted the list expanded. The president has said he's going to talk to six or seven people. But was there anybody on that list of those 25 that you outright objected to? There are people on that list uh, whom I could not support because I believe that they have demonstrated a disrespect for the vital principle of uh, stare decisis, which, as Chief Justice Roberts has said, is a fundamental principle of our judicial system that promotes even-handedness and stability. I'm, ah. I'm not... Go ahead. ...into which ones those are, but there are people on that list whom I could not vote for. Okay, and cut one, go. You talked about precedent. You support abortion rights. What will you do to ensure that remains in place with the nominee? I'm going to have an in-depth discussion with the nominee, and I believe very much that Roe v. Wade is settled law, as it has been described by Chief Justice Roberts. It has been established as a constitutional right for 46 years, 45 years, and was reaffirmed 26 years ago. That's enough. You get the point. What a buffoon this woman is. And the rest of the left, and she's of the left. When you do not understand what the role of a justice is or the Supreme Court is, you're of the left. You're an activist. You're a progressive. She's not a moderate Republican. She has a radical conception of what the job is of a Supreme Court justice. The job is simple. Follow the Constitution. 
I'm not saying that the actual hard work of writing an opinion is simple. I'm saying the job description is really quite simple. I want you to know something about Susan Collins that Martha Raddatz will not tell you, or anybody else for that matter, except some of the uh, writers over at uh, the Daily Wire and a few other places. Susan Collins is a radical pro-abortionist. In 2003, there was a federal statute, or a proposed federal statute, called the Partial Birth Abortion Act. And let me pass the Senate in the House. It was signed by President George W. Bush. And it was eventually upheld in 2007, four years later, by the U.S. Supreme Court itself in Gonzalez versus Carhartt. The act outlawed partial birth abortion. It outlawed partial birth abortion. Now, so its constitutionality was upheld. Now, what is partial birth abortion? What is partial birth abortion? Why would Susan Collins vote to support it? Partial birth abortion is a procedure in which the abortion doctor pulls a living baby feet first out of the mother's womb into the birth canal except for the head. So the head remains lodged in the birth canal, but every other part of the body of the baby has been birthed right up to the shoulders. The abortion doctor punctures the base of the baby's skull with a surgical instrument or a scissors. A long surgical scissors or a pointed hollow metal tube. He or she then inserts a catheter, a tube, into the wound and sucks out the baby's brain. The skull collapses. And then the delivery of the baby is completed. But the baby's dead. Susan Collins was one of three Republicans who voted against the statute. Isn't it interesting when they drag her on the pseudo-media, the progressive media, to lobby against a Trump appointee, to lobby for abortion, that they don't tell us about Susan Collins. This is called a choice, you see, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there have been comparisons over the last several weeks, as I keep pointing out, to Hitler and the Third Reich. With the trashing of our brave men and women in ICE, with the trashing of this administration when it comes to separating illegal alien adults from children, something that's been going on for decades, and the media and the Democrats and some Republicans have called it Hitlerian like the Third Reich. Do you know what's Hitlerian and like the Third Reich? Partial birth abortion. That's Hitlerian and like the Third Reich to me. Susan Collins is a radical 
when it comes to abortion. I would strongly advise the President of the United States and his inner circle to ignore her position where she demands that the President add additional names to his list. Susan Collins was not elected President of the United States. Susan Collins couldn't get conservative support for anything. Susan Collins is lobbying the President to go back on his promise to the American people and the voters and to destroy his own legacy. Susan Collins is a hater. Martha Raddatz is a hater. Anybody who endorses partial birth abortion is a hater. What about the health of the mother? There has never been a case, ever, of partial birth abortion that was legitimately done on behalf of the health of the mother. Remember, the baby is born, except for the head. Except for the head. Killing the baby with the head in the womb. I should say in the birth canal, the vagina. Uh, that's, uh, that's not the health of the mother. And yet the left, when it comes to morality, they're very flexible. It's their agenda that matters. It's their ideology that matters. I'm getting a little sick and tired of conservatives going on TV and dismissing Roe v. Wade. Oh, it'll never be overturned, never be overturned. As a procedural matter, they're probably right. John Roberts would never vote to overturn it. I can't even understand how the case would get to the Supreme Court. I suspect that they wouldn't even take it. Remember, it takes four justices to accept a court, uh, accept a decision. They get seven or 8,000 of them coming their way each year. They take about 100 of them, give or take. So it's very unlikely they would put themselves in that position. But there are more modest things that are done by states, like uh, waiting periods, but the, the, the pro-abortion radicals don't even support that. Waiting periods or certain medical things or whatever. In this, the Supreme Court has decided that it will decide. And it's very, very interesting. You'll never hear the left say, oh, all these white men on the Supreme Court deciding abortion. They don't mind white men deciding stuff on the left that they agree with. That they agree with. But they don't believe in precedent, ladies and gentlemen. The truth is nobody believes in precedent. If you're a constitutionalist and you come across an opinion that is absurd, you're not bound to the opinion more than you are to the Constitution. And let me say, if a justice isn't bound to the Constitution, then why are we bound to a justice's opinion? So I wanted to straighten this out when it comes to Susan Collins and her ilk. They're not compassionate people. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. They're horrendous. And just by giving her a label moderate, oh, she's a moderate, I don't have to worry about her. You better damn well worry about her. These are radicals. These are extremists. I'll be right back. in. If you keep in mind what the status progressives are all about, then you understand how important these decisions are. But it's important then to nominate somebody who also understands that. 
can't just be another country club Republican or rhino. But you also then understand that whatever they say is a lie. I care about stare decisis and precedent. No, she doesn't. She's a liar. She cares about Roe v. Wade, and she thinks she's figured out a way to argue that it ought to remain the law of the land no matter what and for every purpose. She's a hack. That's her position. And now she's telling you that that's actually part of the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody who's read the decision Roe v. Wade, which, by the way, was written by law clerks, not even Harry Blackman. We know this because the law clerks told us. They wrote about it. They spoke about it. And he wasn't the brightest bulb on the court either. But anybody who's read that opinion knows full well the Constitution has nothing whatsoever to do with it. Nothing. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg has suggested that. Lawrence Tribe, another lib favorite, he has suggested that. If you have any integrity whatsoever as a lawyer, as a professor, as a scholar, as a judge... You know that it has no constitutional founding whatsoever. None. That doesn't mean it'll be overturned. John Roberts has said he's not going to vote to overturn it. It's settled law. It's settled law. That's what they say. And so they throw this around because 99.9% of the decisions the court makes has nothing to do with abortion. But this is their holy grail, aborting babies. should tell you all you need to know about the corrupt, inhumane, hard left. Now, if you've been thinking about your home security, there's no better time to get it than right now. You've heard me talk about Simply Safe Home Security. That's incredible protection. Intuitive, thoughtful design, fair, reasonable prices. Right now, in honor of the 4th of July, Independence Day. I personally work with Simply Safe to put together a really great offer that's just for fans of this show. The pros over at Simply Safe assembled a really great home security system. It's got entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors, a security camera, everything you need to stop criminals from touching your home and getting to your family. And as a special bonus for listeners of my show, you can take $200 off this package. Complete protection for your home. Simply Safe won CNET's Editor's Choice for Home Security. It also won PC Magazine's Editor's Choice. The Wire Cutter called it the best home security. One of the reasons there is no wire to cut. It's really an incredible system. Take $200 off when you order your system today at simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com to protect your home and family and get $200 off. That's simplysafemark.com. Now, the Democrats, on the one hand, demanding that their agenda is the prerequisite to the appointment, or I should say the nomination by Trump of a nominee, which is absurd on its face. Now they're saying we need a consensus candidate, or as Collins says, we need to expand the list. As Schumer says, we've got to force a moderate Supreme Court pick. Well, how are you moderate on Obamacare? You're either for it or against it. Or abortion. You're for it or against it. But that's not even my point. How are you moderate when it comes to the Constitution? 
You either have fidelity to the Constitution or you don't. Every time they speak, they expose themselves as the political hacks they are. It's not about appointing somebody who's moderate or liberal or conservative. It's about appointing somebody who is faithful to trying to interpret the Constitution as written and trying to discern what was intended at the time it was ratified. That's the job of a justice. Nothing more, nothing less. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Mr. Producer. Uh, we wrote Susan Collins's uh, office uh, really during the break and asked uh, if she would come on the program to have a chat. And would you read what the office wrote back to you? It says, sorry, that won't work for her schedule. Oh. That's it. I see. What is with all these cowards on the left? What, what, is, what is with them? They're all tough people. They all go on. They're all so certain of their positions. I am respectful to every guest who ever comes on this program, and I would be respectful to her. But on the other hand, I have some legitimate questions, and we have millions and millions and millions of listeners. Well, she only goes on with Martha Raddatz or some lib who will agree with her. Come on my show. I have some questions for you. I'm not going to bite. I really am not. I'll be very respectful, but I have some questions to ask you. Can't get her, can't get Schumer, can't get Blumenthal, can't get this one, can't get the other one. Now, I'm not whining about it. I'm just saying, what's with all these tough guys? You know, it's amazing to me. The left pretends that they have a monopoly on science, right? Look at this. We can determine the weather 100 years from now, but not a week from now. And we're all supposed to fall in line and destroy our economy and our government for global warming and climate change, which is, of course, an attack on capitalism. Here we have real science. That a baby is removed from the mother's birthing canal right up to the shoulders and executed. Now, the science is that that's a baby, right? But now we're supposed to ignore the science. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. That's a privacy right. What do you mean it's a privacy right? That's a choice. Do you mean it's a choice? You out of your mind? Well, they are out of their mind. And now we're on defense. Wow, you know. Some guy just said on our favorite cable channel, basically, only pro-choice justices can get confirmed or something to that effect. I mean, this is where we are. And they, even if you don't want to touch that subject, can you at least get us back to the Constitution and stop defending the... I don't think we're ever going to have to do that. Don't worry about it. Whatever the left does in the courts, that's enshrined in our Constitution forevermore. You even have these idiots like little Dick... Uh, Durbin there of Illinois going on and on about and if they don't support Obamacare so now the nominee has to support Obamacare hell I'm not even sure Obama supports Obamacare anymore it's unbelievable here's our list of policy issues and the justice 
Let's not uphold the con. He or she better damn well believe in our policy issues. Does that not tell you how unmoored we are from our Constitution? Does that not tell you we live in a post-constitutional period? Now, let's look at some of these nominees. I have a Washington Post article, and not coincidentally, Brett Kavanaugh is on the top of the list. Why? Even if you take it alphabetically, why is he on the top of the list? Here's what they write. U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. He's in Maryland. Graduate of Yale College, Yale Law School. Kavanaugh was appointed in 2006 by George W. Bush to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. He previously worked in the Bush White House as assistant to the president and staff secretary, meaning under Karl Rove, who's his buddy, and was a partner at Kirkland and Ellis Law Firm. Notably, in 1993, he worked as a law clerk for Kennedy, meaning Anthony Kennedy. His name was added to the White House list in November, a move that some believe might make Kennedy more comfortable with retiring. That's what I'm concerned about. I hope some deal wasn't cut with Kennedy. I'm not saying it was, okay? I hope some deal wasn't cut with Kennedy, that he steps down and the president will nominate Kavanaugh. You understand what I'm saying? I hope Kennedy didn't have a say in any of this. Raymond Grunder. I know this man's decisions. He is undeniably an originalist constitutionalist. He's been on Trump's short list since before the 2016 election. You don't even hear about him. Graduate of Washington University in St. Louis. He worked as the Missouri State Director for GOP nominee Bob Dole's presidential campaign in 96. Went on to serve as U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Missouri before the Senate 2004 confirmed him to be his current job of a job, judge 97 to 1. Thomas Hardiman of Pennsylvania comes very highly recommended to me by Rick Santorum, among others. He's on the Third Circuit. He was among those interviewed by Trump last year to fill the vacancy left by Antonin Scalia's death. And he took an unconventional route to the federal bench. He was the first in his family to graduate from college. He drove a taxi to help pay for his education. He's a Georgetown University Law Center alumnus. Also reportedly the favorite of Trump's sister, Judge Marianne Trump Barry. Well, she's a lib, so forget that. Meaning her, not him. With whom he serves on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. Previously written two majority opinions, one backing the strengthening of mandatory minimum sentences for criminals and the other supporting strip searches that were reviewed by the Supreme Court. Well, he's written more than that. But I'm told he's very solid. Now, let me mention one who is absolutely solid. William Pryor of Alabama. U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Pryor, this according to the Washington Post write-up. Pryor is a veteran of the political fight surrounding judicial picks. In 2003, he was nominated by Bush to the appeals court, but it took a recess appointment and a two-year standoff by Republicans and Democrats finally crafted a deal that confirmed him to the position. Pryor is a conservative and harsh critic of Roe v. Wade, which he once called the worst abomination of constitutional law in history. He's actually quite close. You see, people, well, the outcome. 
He's a protege of Attorney General Jeff Sessions and was also near the top of Trump's list last year. I hope they didn't just put him on the list to put him on the list. Because he's exceptional. Amy Coney Barrett of Indiana. She is exceptional. A relatively new appeals court judge in Chicago, having been confirmed last year after a bruising confirmation fight, Democrats question whether Barrett, then a law professor at the University of Notre Dame, let her Catholic faith play too big a role in her legal thinking. You believe that? That line of questions angered religious conservatives who rallied to support her. She insisted her faith would not interfere with her role as a judge and was confirmed. Can you believe the bigotry on the left? Because she's a practicing Catholic. Amol Tarpar of Kentucky, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. He's been a federal appeals court judge in Cincinnati for about a year. He worked as a federal prosecutor in Kentucky before eventually becoming a district court judge. He's a favorite of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. As a candidate, Trump said he would consider him as a Supreme Court pick. He was interviewed by Trump for the Supreme Court vacancy last year. Some other names, most of whom you never heard of. Keith Blackwell of Georgia on the Supreme Court of Georgia. Charles Kennedy of Florida on the Supreme Court of Florida. Problem with Kennedy is he's like 64, 65, although he's, he's uh, very solid. Stephen Culleton of Iowa. He's on the U.S. Court of Appeals, the Eighth Circuit. Allison Ede of Colorado, U.S. Court of Appeals, Tenth Circuit. Britt Grant of Georgia on the Supreme Court of Georgia. Joan Larson of Michigan, U.S. Court of Appeals, Sixth Circuit. Mike Lee of Utah, United States Senate. You know He was my favorite and is my favorite, but obviously Trump's not interested. And obviously White House Counsel's Office isn't interested. And obviously the Federalist Society is not interested. I don't know what the problem is. Thomas Lee, his older brother of Utah, he's on the Supreme Court of Utah. Edward Mansfield of Iowa, Supreme Court of Iowa. Federico Merlino of Florida, U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida. Kevin Newsom of Alabama, U.S. Court of Appeals, 11th Circuit. Margaret Ryan of Virginia, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Armed Services, the Armed Forces. David Strauss of Minnesota, U.S. Court of Appeals, 8th Circuit. Diane Sykes of Wisconsin. I think she's the ex-wife of that psycho who was a talk show host. Uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the 7th Circuit. Timothy Timkovich of Colorado, U.S. Courts of Appeal, 10th Circuit. Robert Young, Michigan, Supreme Court of Michigan, retired. Don Willett of Texas, Supreme Court of Texas. Patrick Wyrick of Oklahoma, Supreme Court of Oklahoma, and Sari Horwitz, no, she contributed to the story, uh, would-be reporter for the Washington Compost. All right, so that's pretty much the list. So, Kavanaugh's being pushed hard. I'm being lobbied on this guy. I'm not going to get into names. By some people have the utmost respect for it. But I have to admit I'm concerned. I didn't say I wouldn't support him. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm concerned because you have people on this list for whom there's no doubt. And it might be a bruising battle, but it's going to be a bruising battle anyway. A bruising battle anyway. Amy Coney Barrett of Indiana. She's terrific. Bill Pryor of Alabama. Terrific. Mike Lee, United States Senator, Utah. Terrific. There's simply no question. I don't think you'll find any of them with a, uh, 
a hugging photo with uh, Karl Rove. It's amazing to me. The Bush people hate Donald Trump. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them, including the Bush family. Many of them didn't vote for Trump. Many of them are the leaders of the Never Trump movement. This gentleman worked for the George W. Bush White House under Karl Rove. Now, that's not to deny his record as an appeals court judge. Believe me, I understand that. But what is it that Karl Rove saw on this gentleman that made him so appealing? I'm just curious. These never-Trumpers in the Bush camp, they've gotten away with murder, not literally, figuratively. They have a president here who's advanced much of the agenda that George W. Bush and his administration, frankly, didn't have the guts to advance, including uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and then moving the the, uh, embassy to Jerusalem and staring down North Korea. Trump is much more solid on immigration than George W. Bush could have ever been or would ever be. But they trash him. And they still trash him. And they're still not going to vote for him. They just don't like him. And yet somehow, in the shadows, they've been very, very effective in promoting Brett Kavanaugh. One more time, I'm not saying I won't support the gentleman. I'm saying, I'm just laying out for you what's interesting to me as the politics of this, and it is politics, leads up to the president's decision. The other thing is, again, this July 9th, I'm going to make a decision by July 9th. Why? I mean, it's in the middle of the holiday, July 4th holiday, two-thirds of the White House is empty, and so it's left up to a handful of people to marshal this. I am not happy with what the Federalist Society has been doing. As somebody who has long supported the Federalist Society, that they're playing favorites. They are playing favorites. And their favorite is Brett Kavanaugh. How do I know? Because I see my buddy Leonard Leo on TV. That's who he keeps talking about. He'll add a few others, but we know. That suggests to me that the White House Counsel's Office is doing the same thing. Amy... Coney Barrett of Indiana is terrific. Bill Pryor's terrific. Mike Lee's terrific. What do they tell the president? They can't get confirmed. You know, they can't get confirmed. Their position on abortion is this is a play right into the Democrats' hands. Right into the Democrats' hands. This is not a wheeler dealer thing. This is a forever thing. This this the, the impact that these justices have is so outsized, so beyond const- the Constitutional's uh, grant of power to this court. It's unbelievable. And the Democrats insist they own the court. You know, we'll let you wingers. You know, maybe you can have three, maybe four seats. You can't have five. Then you're going to yank the court to the right. Yank the court to the right. When you have a court that believes in the Constitution. Isn't that amazing to you? Now they're worried about the Constitution. They claim. But they're really not. Every time you hear them go on and on about precedent. That tells you what they are. 
Precedent is a secondary point. The Constitution is the primary point. If the purpose of a justice is just to follow precedent, then why have justices at all? Just throw it to the American people. Here's the precedent, up or down. You don't need scholarship. You don't need smarts. You don't need a law degree to be a rubber stamp for what the courts did before. You need to have an expertise, a professional training, a knowledge to determine what the Constitution is about if you're going to interpret it based on its history and so forth and so on. If you're just going to say, well, the court before did this and we agree, then you might as well have, you know, monkeys up there or hamsters up there or, or kangaroos. Up. You don't even need people to do it. Hit the red button. Okay, hit it. The progressives, the statists, do not mind at all when the court breaks from tradition as long as the court is moving in its direction to impose the status progressive agenda. And this game has got to stop. We've got to call them out, and we need to stop playing along. We know who the best candidates are on this list, and I hope the president chooses one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to welcome the great WPHT. WPHT to our lineup in Philadelphia. I grew up listening to this station. Before WPHT, it was called WCAU on City Line Avenue, Lower Marine Ballot Kenwood. Know exactly where it is. Well, let's see. When I was 15 or 16 years old, I kept writing the program director back then. And uh, they were running really. Interesting shows with Joel A. Spivak Jr. and Bernie Herman, among others. And I said, I, I would like to do a show for teenagers on the weekend. And I just kept harassing the guy with these letters. Finally, they brought me in and they let me do, uh, you know, 15 minutes. Boy, was I awful. But that was fun and that was that. Never thought about it again. But I've been doing radio now, quasi-professionally at least. For 15 years, Rich, is that about right? And I've always wanted to be on my hometown station, WPHT, the old WCAU. And today it happened. Thanks to our wonderful people at Intercom, wonderful broadcast company. And I want to say hello to my fellow Philadelphians on WPHT in Philadelphia. And I'm going to be seeing you at some point in the next 12 months. Listen, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody, put us on the internet, you know. God bless you. We'll be right back. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Are you just happy to see Mark Levin, call him now at 877-381-3811. How many of you have an additional $5,000 just lying around there? Anybody? I didn't think so. But you're going to need it if your HVAC system burns out because it's very, very hot out 
and it is chugging along. And if you haven't changed out your old air filters, that's what can happen. I know you think I'm being melodramatic, but if you saw how bad this allergy season has been, all that junk, well, it either goes into your lungs or it's going into your home's HVAC filters. Plus, it's getting hot outside, and it is hot. It's really hot, and your system is working harder and harder. Spend 15 or 20 bucks, save your lungs and your HVAC system with fresh, clean filters from my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 sizes, and if you're one of those folks who needs a customized size, they can do that for you too. Plus, they ship for free within 24 hours. That's not enough. They're manufactured right here in America, so there's no excuse. Set up auto delivery, which is what we do. It just makes life easier, so your, your new, fresh, clean filters come on schedule, plus you save 5%. Now, also, you extend the life of your system. Again, it's hot outside, and it's not going to stop. The last thing you need is a busted HVAC system on top of the allergies. Save time, save money, breathe better. With filterby.com, and I know I do. That's filterbuy.com, filterby.com. Tell them Mark sent you, and try to avoid one of those trucks that keep driving around in my neighborhood. Many of those trucks with the HVAC guys who have, as their as their role, to replace your HVAC system. There's ways to limit that, and this is one of them. In fact, it's the best one. Filterby.com. Okay, I want to get into a few other issues. Turns out that our little Marxist friend from New York City that's on Meet the Depressed and everywhere else, and we'll take you call callers, so just hang in there. Turns out that uh, she wasn't really raised in the Bronx. She was born in the Bronx, and then when she was very young, uh, her parents moved to uh, Westchester, New York. She was raised there. She went to a predominantly white school. Is that okay, by the way, to go to a predominantly white school, or is that out of, uh, out of favor these days? But anyway, she did. And uh, she went to a very nice college. She'll tell you, not an Ivy League college. See, it's very, very important if you're a Marxist, you got to pretend that you really built yourself up from the bottom. Oh, yeah. You're born in a log cabin. You know, all of it. But she wasn't. So she was quite dishonest about her uh, background. Uh, We've tried to get her on the show. Uh, She won't come on the show. She'll go everywhere but here. Can't say I blame her, but I'd be very polite. And she's out there spreading the word. Free college education. Free, what else? Uh, Get rid of all the student loans. Free Medicare for everybody. Sounds pretty cool. Government jobs, if you can't get a private sector job, got it all figured out like Hugo Chavez. How many more horrific experiments on our fellow human beings must there be of this vulgar, pathetic, impossible ideology? How many more human experiments must there be with the terror the brutality, the impoverishment, the bleakness, the anti-humanity that it creates. 
Marxism essentially is the ideology of a three-year-old. A three-year-old in a candy store. I want this. I want this. I want this. Everybody should get this. And everyone should have that. And it's only fair. And why should I have to pay for it? Well, who makes it? Can you have a profit? It's just such a childish mindset. And yet, these sophisticates out there keep burbling it up in one form or another. And notice, it's always the same argument. Well, it wasn't done the right way. Or we need to do it differently. Or they didn't do this. And Obamacare should have done that and so forth and so But they will defend it to the death. You've got to have a Supreme Court nominee who will embrace Obamacare. Period. Or we can't vote for them. So it turns out in many respects this 28-year-old is a fraud. Now don't call her that because you'll be attacked. I can call her that. I'm always attacked. So be it. And they're just intrigued. The media keep promoting a Marxist. I'm not a Marxist. I'm a social Democrat. Yeah, right, right, whatever. So uh, they keep promoting Democrat socialist. Not a Marxist. And so the media in this country keep promoting her. Now, is that a free press? Is that what a free press does? Keeps promoting a Marxist? A 28-year-old who hasn't done a damn thing? I guess so. It's like science, you know. What are you, a science denier because you don't believe in man-made climate change? Hey, you know that partial birth abortion where the baby's head is still in a birth canal? That's a born baby. What, 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 you don't believe in choice and privacy right no i'm talking about science forget about science amazing isn't it and this is the pablum that we are force-fed every damn day and i refuse to debate on their terms i refuse to use their terms as the foundation of our reality just because they say it just because they repeat it doesn't make it so. Like the endless attack on capitalism. Now, some of you aren't going to like this. This populist claptrap, apart from being enormously dangerous to a constitutional system, because we do not have a populist government. We have a republic. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. But more and more, some of the more extreme populists among the populists and nationalists sound like progressives, don't they? They do to me. More and more. They overlap. They'll even tell you, well, we, we needed to uh, build a coalition with the Bernie Sanders guys. Like that's some kind of brilliant thing. Why? Well, because we share attitudes on certain things. Like what? Trade. Well, trade is capitalism. He's a Marxist. What are you, an elitist, the globalist, the mercantilist? What's wrong with you? <laughs> People throw these phrases around because they hear them. Cracks me up. Well, Canada is now throwing tariffs at us. European Union's throwing tariffs at us. And that means taxes. Taxes. And while the economy is doing very, very well, What tends to happen is there's a delayed reaction. There's a delayed reaction. 
It's not immediate, but it is, without a question, eventual. When you jack up the price of domestic steel to 40%, by 40%, that will have a consequence. By the way, it'll have a consequence in our military, too. They can buy less stuff. I'm not in favor of this. With China, yes. As a national security exception. But no, I'm not in favor of it generally otherwise. They just elected a, 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 a left-wing, what, what should I call Oh, a socialist Democrat as president of Mexico. Mexico. Uh, so uh, that'll be wonderful. But don't worry. He had a good conversation, he says, with the president. And uh, we have some projects in mind. So more and more of their citizens will stay in Mexico. The problem in Mexico is the government is corrupt. No matter who runs it, it's corrupt. And you have these drug cartels that are running wild and they're murdering people left and right in the most hideous ways. Hey, we should have open borders, shouldn't we? No, I don't think we should. Are you in the mood to hear little Dick Durbin of Illinois? Now, you know, we've affectionately called him Little Dick Durbin of Illinois for a long time. He's a little fella. No offense. And uh, here's his genius. By the way, nasty guy. I've told you this before. The late, great Senator Fred Thompson once told me that the individual in the Senate who was the most dishonorable, that is, who would break his word, was Dick Durbin. He was the worst. That's you, Little Dick. I mean, uh, Durbin. So here he is on with, uh, I think it was Chris Wallace on the Fox News Sunday channel. Cut three, go. I think the Chris Wallace uh, second debate, if that's when it was, uh, question to then-candidate Donald Trump, nailed it. Uh, the president is looking for someone who will o- overturn Roe versus Wade. But even equally important, he's looking for someone on the court who will make sure that they rule that the Affordable Care Act's protection of those with pre-existing conditions is unconstitutional. That'll mean thousands, if not millions, of Americans will lose their health insurance because of this decision on who will fill the Kennedy vacancy on the court. That gets at his home for most Americans. We may be divided, and it certainly are, on the issue of abortion. But it comes to basic health care for American families, protecting those who have pre-existing conditions. This administration's attacking that on constitutional grounds. And at this moment, Donald Trump is looking for a justice who's going to rule in his favor. So here you have a rambling buffoon. He changes course right in the middle of his rambling buffoonery. Starts out with abortion, then he uh-oh, I better not go there. Let me go to uh, Obamacare. And you see, Obamacare, uh, if a justice shoots it down, uh, well, then millions of people will go without health care, as, as was the case before Obamacare. Wasn't that the case? No, it wasn't the case. Medicaid, Medicaid, your state, as I've told you before, 25 cents of every dollar your state raises in taxes goes into Medicaid. I said Medicare before I meant Medicaid. 25 cents out of every dollar goes into Medicaid. That's mostly for poor people or lower-income people. So this guy is your Class A demagogue, little Dick Durbin. Then we have Richard Blumenthal on Deface the Nation. And Richard Blumenthal, you notice he's on TV all the time? 
because he's a crackpot. And the media love their crackpots because they say the most outrageous things. And this guy is a clown of clowns. Cut four, go. Do you regret, sir, your vote back uh, in 2013 to eliminate the filibuster for all federal judicial nominees? I mean, that, there was a carve out at the time for Supreme Court. Then Mitch McConnell changed that in 2017. But do you think that was the precedent that has now set the stage uh, for this vote to happen in the way it will? There was really no precedent because that change in rule applied to the lower courts, the courts of appeals and the district court. The Supreme Court is very different. And I'm slow down there, brother. Hold your horses. See how quickly he moves? That's what snake oil salesmen do, a.k.a. leftists. There was no precedent here. You see, we only applied that to lower court judges, appellate courts and district judges. We never applied that to the Supreme Court. Uh, You shouldn't apply it to any court. You shouldn't apply it to any court. Once you set the precedent, that is the process, you open the gates wide open. You guys have been filibustering judges, filibustering uh, judicial nominees, and uh, you keep trying to adjust the rules to accommodate whether you're in the majority or the minority. You sound like idiots because you are idiots. You're power hungry. Go ahead, Blumenthal. Go. By the prospect of the president of the United States appointing now a justice who will be the swing. Now, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's tell Daffy Duck here something. President of the United States does not appoint a justice. He nominates a justice. It's advice and consent. That's, that's why you're involved. You see, you, you have to consent. You got that, Daffy? Go ahead. Not only on reproductive rights and workers' rights and civil rights. Now let's go all down the agenda of the left. Eh, open borders, trash the cops, eviscerate the military, climate change, taxes on the rich, no American sovereignty, eviscerate. We got to have a justice who will eviscerate the Constitution in the name of the Constitution, who will eviscerate the Constitution to advance our radical kook extreme status, progressive, leftist agenda. Don't you understand? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, my listener was in deep with back taxes to the Internal Revenue Service. And that is an agency that the Democrats do not want to abolish. Roughly 15 grand, and he couldn't pay it. It's that simple. Just a matter of time until they garnished his wages and seized his bank accounts. Umpteen times you heard me mention Optima Tax Relief. And how Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection. And umpteen times he started to call and then stopped. Finally... He started the call and finished the call. And it was the best call he could have made. You know, the tax experts at Optima qualified him for the Fresh Start Initiative. That's a special IRS program I've been telling you about that saved him thousands of dollars and put his tax debt to rest. Finally, Optima has resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. They're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Now, when you're ready to put your IRS crisis behind you, One call can start the process to solve it all. Call my trusted friends at Optima Tax Relief. 800 
Aaron, Tom's River, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. Um, thanks for letting me be on your show. You're welcome. Um, I'm 14 years old. Um, actually, I just finished reading um, Rediscovering Americanism yesterday. I have to say it's an amazing book. I really Thank love you. it. I appreciate that. Yeah, anyway, so um, it's really, in a way, it's terrifying, but it's also really funny to watch the left going insane over the last few days, the last few weeks. Um, by, the, by the way, when haven't they been going insane? Um, no, it's just that it's really been crawling out of the woodwork recently in a more extreme fashion. I mean, they've always been insane regardless, but um, mm-hmm. now they're really going crazy, you know, with all their protesting and trying to occupy ICE and all that. I mean, and it's so contradictory because first they argue for a statist, for a statist uh, style of government, and then they want to abolish a law, an, a law enforcement agency, which is how any statist government would go about keeping their citizens in line. So they're, they're double-crossing. Well, that's because they want to change the, uh, the population. They want to change the voter. And it is amazing to me uh, when you look out over the, uh, over the horizon – the tens of thousands of illegal immigrants and their surrogates who feel nothing about, uh, you know, in some cases, peaceful protest, in some cases, violent protest. Go right ahead, sir. So you're saying that um, it's mostly fueled by the attempt to change the way America votes, basically? Yeah, I'm saying the iron-fisted left, Mm -hmm. they believe in upsetting what exists today. They believe in eliminating... The, uh, the society as exists, fundamental transformation, as Brock Milhouse Benito Obama used to say. And in order to have that, you must have chaos and to some, some, some anarchy. And then comes the iron fist. And the iron fist will tell you, you know, what kind of health care you can have, uh, what the police must do after they nationalize the cops. You know, on and on and on. You know the agenda. Are you still there, young man? Yes, sir, I am. Don't hang up. I'm going to send you a copy of Plunder and Deceit. Every young person should read that book. Don't hang up. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, yes. And, um... Tugged and pulled this way and that way. This is the last hour, the third hour, and there is a, a comedy bit on Netflix by this Michelle Wolf. You remember her? The uh, well, whatever. So uh, she has said some of the most horrible things about Ivanka Trump, and I've made a decision not to play it. Number one, you in my audience, you're not going to want to hear this. Number two, she is so vile. That I won't give her the attention. But you can go on the internet and see what she said. Really, she acts like a subhuman. She really does. And she thinks she's really hip. She's not hip. She's a slob. 
And I thought to myself, did any of you watch Life, Liberty, and Levin last night at 10 p.m. on the Fox News Channel Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific? A lot of you do, and I want to thank you. And I had a great guest last night. Now, I promoted it on my radio show. We promoted it on Sean Hannity's show. But I even had my friends and staff watch. There was no promotion on the Fox News Channel. And they have two Fox hosts, Sean Hannity and Mark Levin. No promotion whatsoever. 8 p.m. show is promoted. 9 p.m. shows. I'm the 10 p.m. Sunday show. Nothing. Isn't that weird, Mr. Producer? It's very odd. It's like there's some saboteur in there. I don't know what's going on. And I've, I've complained, but they don't care. But you're with us. I consider a very important program. There are knockoffs now popping up everywhere, including my friends on radio. I think I'll do an interview show, one hour, with a long-form interview. <sighs> okay, good. So ABC News is starting it. PBS is starting it. So we started this, what, six months ago now? And we announced it eight or nine months ago. And I really wanted to break the usual format so we don't have a conga line of guests. So we we get deeply and substantively into issues with one or two guests top. And they're there or he or she is there for the full hour. And so I had Sean Hannity. And the reason I had Sean on, one of the reasons was he is the highest rated cable person, the highest rated cable show consistently, and it's not even close. He's now defeated Maddow. When Maddow used to beat him now and then, all the websites would promote, oh, look at this, look at this, she's number one. Now that he's number one consistently, you never hear a thing. Even from the friendlies, you never hear a thing. And so uh, we had a lot of fun. And I thought, let me just play a few short clips for you. Not because of me, but because of Sean, uh, because I thought it was so compelling. Here he is last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, just a couple of minutes. Cut 14, go. As the Babe Ruth of cable TV, you're also attacked a lot by the left, I noticed. They try these boycotts every now and then. They attack you. They go after you. What is that like? Wow, this is a great question. Um, the most important thing to me, I don't care. Not even a little bit, Mark. One bit what the left thinks of me. I just care about what's right. Like you, um, I have a love and a passion for this country. And I always brought up in 2016, I do it by design, it's my way. You have your gifts and your unique style. Rush has his, his unique style. I, I like to be myself. And... I saw 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. I saw the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, worst recovery since the 40s, 51% low in home ownership, a doubling of the debt. I give those numbers out regularly on purpose because those are real people, real Americans, real suffering, and they're suffering because of government failure. And this is your wheelhouse. This is what you do. And you do the, the history of our great founders and framers and philosophers. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at it from a very practical standpoint. What works? Why does it work? And why do you think you're attacked the way that you're attacked? I'm attacked because it, it, for a lot of these people, it's about power. 
You know, we're, we had the most unbelievable week where Pam Bondi is attacked. Think about this. Uh, Secretary Nielsen is attacked. Sarah Huckabee is attacked. Conservatives are being thrown out of restaurants. They're being followed. You have high-profile Democrats suggesting that we, conf- we get confronted in gas stations, in restaurants, wherever you see. It's like a mob mentality has taken over. And the real reason for it is that in 500 days, the economy has flipped dramatically. Every economic indicator we have is off the charts. Nobody thought Donald Trump would win. Nobody thought he'd get the primary. Nobody thought he'd beat Hillary. And nobody thought he'd be this successful. And we're now in the silly season where Democrats have only one single playbook. And that is Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. And it's one big lie. Mm-hmm. I asked him, uh, well, let's let's play cut 15. Go ahead. What else has Donald Trump done? He's cut taxes. I don't know. He's exposed the media. Oh. And this is why oh. they hate him. I am convinced the media have played this game with the American people for decades, that they're objective and or bipartisan, and they're only reporting the news. He's shown them to be a pseudo profession. Mm-hmm. It's not a profession at all. And what he's shown them also to be is groupthink of one mind. There's different characters, you know, different levels of uh, intelligence, some of them quasi-intelligence, if you will, and so forth. He drives them nuts because he calls them out. And then they accuse him of attacking them. press freedom. He's not attacking press freedom. He's pointing out how they're undermining press freedom. In 2007 and eight, I said journalism in America I remember this. is dead. Right. I didn't even know how right I was at the time. Here's what they haven't figured out, and I love this part. What they haven't figured out at CNN, CNN, will they have been so branded, they will forever be known as fake news, CNN. Same with the broadcast networks. I think one of the funniest things the president does, and if you have a sense of humor and you understand Donald Trump and the American people seem to understand him and they accept that he's not your cookie cutter politician that is politically correct, that won't take a chance. But I think during his rallies, when he sees see those people in the back, fake news, fake news, and the crowd turns around on their own, not led by Trump, CNN sucks, you know, or fake news. And they shout at them because and, and I would be thinking if I was running a network and every state, every group of people were saying Hannity sucks. I think I might take it personally at some point and say, well, what am I doing wrong? And then finally, although this wasn't the entire show by any means, but finally for our radio playing, cut 16, go. How do you explain the so-called never Trumpers? The president has been enormously successful in foreign policy. A lot of them come out of the... uh, Bush administration, sort of the neoconservative movement in that genre. When you look at Iran, the president did exactly the right thing. When you look at Israel, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital and moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That was the law that was bypassed by every president except this president. When you look at how he's dealt with North Korea, people may quibble over the things he has said to Un and so forth. But the fact is... 
he's done more with North Korea in terms of, first of all, putting the military threat out there and then driving the, uh, the dictator to the table than any previous president. It's called peace through strength. Peace through strength. But when you look you worked at, for Reagan. I worked for Reagan. And I supported Trump in the general election. Yes, you did. And I see a lot of similarities. I'm not talking about the way they speak. But there's a charisma to both of these men. And there is a principle to both of these men. And I'm concerned that there are some people who claim to be conservatives who don't recognize it, either because they've had a personal tiff with him or the very thin-skinned about approaches and so forth and so on. one other thing? You, they don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't, and you've been in a fight with a lot of these people. It's, you know, it's not even a fight because the American people are winning now. Look, I'm going to make a prediction. Donald Trump is a transformational president. And I don't believe he's a nationalist and I don't believe he's a populist. I have always remained in my entire career consistent. I am a Reagan conservative and which you were the chief of staff for Ed Meese, one of the greatest attorney generals we ever had. And so you know Reagan's policies as I do. I can cite the economic statistics, 20 million new jobs, uh, you know, literally doubled revenues to the government, you know, revenues go. He was hated too, attacked by the same well, force. Well, wait a minute. He was, yeah. he was called an amiable dunce by Republican establishment figures, right. and voodoo economics was a Bush term. Look, it took him three times to get the nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was attacked all the time. The media hated him, hated him. But they hate Trump more. More. And my view of that is, and see if you agree, they thought Hillary was going to win. They banked on Hillary. They wanted their third term of Obama. And this man wins, surprises everyone, probably surprises himself. The American people rose up and said, enough is enough. We want to try this man. And this is not just an attack from my perspective on Trump. This is an attack on the American people. And you can hear it more and more. Scarborough talking about uh, Trump voters as racists. Mm -hmm. Now, the Trump voters are racist. Hillary calling them deplorables. They're attacking tens of millions of Americans. Mark, look at the struck page text. I go to Walmart and I can smell the Trump people. There's a contempt. Uh, and the left has always had this for conservatives. But there's a contempt for people. Now, I'm back live. This is the sort of... You know, very, I think, interesting discussion that occurs on Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on the Fox News channel, Life, Liberty, and Levin. And I hope you'll watch it. And uh, and I hope they'll promote it. But even when they don't, we do very, very well, thanks to you. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Hill newspaper, legal experts say Mueller, the Mueller team likely gained access to NRA tax filings. I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. There's almost six million of you who are members of the NRA. Legal experts say it's likely special counsel Robert Mueller secretly gained access to the National Rifle Association's tax returns as part of the investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election, according to a McClatchy report. Mueller's team is reportedly looking to NRA donors with links to Russia and investigating whether some donors use the organization to illegally funnel foreign money to President Trump's campaign. This guy, Mueller, is unbelievable. 
a throwback to the old Soviet prosecutors. That's what he is. The NRA spent $30 million in support of Trump's campaign. Why don't they look at the NEA and AFT? They spent more than that on Hillary's campaign. So they're investigating the tax returns of the NRA. Are they investigating the tax returns of the Clinton Foundation? No. How about the Clinton's tax returns? No. How about the donors to the Clinton campaign? No. I've about had it up to here with this fraud investigation, this clown Mueller and his uh, happy, uh, out-of-control Democrat prosecutors. I've had it with these people. And these clown judges, too. They, uh, they're in the, the bench. They go on and on. Oh, the Constitution and separation of powers. And we know you're after Trump. And blah, blah, blah. And then they write their opinion. Well, it's within the scope. And there's, there's a, I mean, what the hell are these fools? Then you got the Obama judge in Washington, D.C. The hell's her name? I can't remember. Such a lightweight. You got Manafort sitting in confinement, solitary confinement in a federal prison. Separated from his family, but of course they don't care about that. In a federal prison. For what? For what? Wire fraud, bank fraud, this fraud, that fraud. All occurred many, many years ago when Mueller was the FBI director and apparently blind as a bat. Couldn't see it back then, but today he sees everything. And then the judge in the Eastern District, Ellis III. On and on. Ah, you just want to get through. Ah, right now it's, well, those are the rules. What can I do? And by the way, let me drop a footnote. Uh, provide no rational substance whatsoever on the uh, appointments clause. And say, you know, uh, Professor Caliber, I know you listen to the show, Judge. I know who you are, and you know I know who you are. And Calabrese. And in two sentences, he dismisses it. Like he's uh, God Almighty himself. The Marson v. Olson opinion. Like we haven't read the Marson v. Olson opinion. 30 years ago. I make a slightly different argument as Calabrese continues to refine his position. My argument is different, I think, at this point. My argument is that special counsel can be constitutional, but this one is not. Because of the nature of the appointment. I've said two things all along, and then I'll just come along and say, hey, look, I have an idea. Nobody said it. Well, let me repeat what I've said. You can go back and listen on my website if you care, and probably don't. Number one, Rosenstein is Deputy Attorney General, but Acting Attorney General for a very specific area did not have the authority to confer all this power on a subordinate. In two senses, he did not have the authority to confer the attorney general's power on a subordinate where the attorney general's recusal doesn't cover certain aspects of that power. That's number one. Number two, Mr. Rosenstein did not have the power to confer such broad powers and unchecked and really not even overseen on his special counsel creation. Because then he moves the special counsel from an inferior employee to a principal 
officer of the federal government. I don't give a damn what Judge Ellis says. He didn't even hear the argument. He didn't even, there hasn't even been an oral argument, paper submitted, he drops a footnote. Who cares about his footnote? So now the NRA's taxes are being uh, looked at by Mr. Mueller and his band of left-wing Democrat kook prosecutors, so many of whom are utterly and completely biased and some of whom are unethical and have been certified as unethical. Any Trump supporter among them? Which one? Anybody go to the Trump victory party? Which one? Any do- any one of them donate substantially to the Trump campaign? Which one? None of them. So just so you know, uh, legal experts say Mueller team has gained access to the NRA tax fund. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous what this clown is doing. NRA General Counsel John Frazier said in the April disclosure that Torsion has not made additional contributions... Uh, but he found a Russian, is that it? Found a Russian. You know, it's still not illegal to be a Russian. I just want to point that out. You can be a Russian, and it's not illegal. I'll be right back. You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. You know, if you shower, brush your teeth, or try to make your hair look presentable, here's some good news. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to keep you out. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, everything. All the Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. And they'll all help you out. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just 5 bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. It comes with amber, lavender, calming body cleanser, their world-famous Shea Butter, their Best Razor, the Six Blade Executive, and you can keep the blades coming for a few months, just a few more bucks a month. And add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. You know, I've never met Harris Faulkner, but I watch her on the Fox News channel. And you know what? She's that class act. She's like a real journalist, which is kind of rare these days. And uh, she has a really great book out, Nine Rules of Engagement, A Military Brat's Guide to Life and Success. Harris Faulkner, how are you? Wow, Mark, what a warm intro to me. I'm so grateful. It is wonderful to speak with you this evening. I am doing great. This is one of my favorite times of the year leading up to Independence Day. My only other favorite time, of course, is Christmas because I have kids. (laughs) But I am so super excited to join you and to talk with your audience about something that I know is working I got it. I've been signing books as people send them to me for Fox because people want to give them as gifts. And there was one woman whose card I read on my Instagram and Facebook today live. She said that she picked up my book and a short time later, and the book's only been out for a month, so it'd have to be a short time. She got a huge promotion on her job. She started making changes in her life. I know this stuff works and I want your listeners to engage the nine rules of engagement immediately. Well, you know what? And I didn't know you were a uh, military brat. So, you know, yeah. uh, kudos to you and your, your father. Let's, let's jump into this. So nine rules of engagement for life, basically. 
Mm-hmm. Pick a few and explain them to us. All right. So the whole premise of this is to look at that military family experience and to understand that there's certain things that are required and expected, particularly of the offspring of officers. My dad fought in Vietnam twice. He was a combat pilot. I opened wow. the book with one of the many stories. He was stationed in Dong Ha at one point, the northernmost town of South Vietnam, just below the DMZ. And I start the book off with a mission that started to go sour. And the reason that I do that is because the first place you start in life is to believe you can. You've got to really dive into your own potential. And if all you have is a battered, shot-up plane and your skill, you've got to believe that you are enough. And that kicks in the rules. The first one, and I'm glad you and I have finally met because I would consider you one of my special forces. No, the thank first you. time, Mark, absolutely. I mean, you, you want people with conviction. You want people, and I've listened to you and watched you now, you want people around you who really believe in goodness and the best that we can be. Those people who believe that change is possible. That's where we are in the nation right now, and I know that's what you believe. And you want integrity and honesty. Mark, quite frankly, most people need to fire some people in their lives today. And some of them are relatives. It's tough. <laughs> right? well, hold on. I have fired a bunch of those already, you know. Don't you kind of go through your life every now and then you're like, okay, something's not working. What yes. do I have too much of? I don't know. But if your neighbor's gossiping, you got to chat with him or her because that mm-hmm. will bring you down. If, and, you know, anybody who has time to covet what you have cannot possibly help you get to where you need to be. At your level of success, Mark, I know you've done this. Because mm-hmm. you can't, yeah, you've had to. And you probably don't talk about it all that much because it doesn't, it's not a warm and fuzzy to tighten or what I call renovate your inner circle. Recruit your special forces is rule number one, where you do that, that renovation around you so that you have people who really have your back. That whole concept in the military of watching your six, mine is more of a 10 these days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that whole idea. So that's one place where you start. Uh, another place, And this is one of my favorite rules. And again, I know from just listening to you and watching you that sometimes these things are already in play or you need to remind yourself to do them. We all have demons and we have to deal with them. Mine was the kind of tardiness that I would show up at events that I had orchestrated and people would be already ordering their food. I was so late. I I know. I had a news director tell me that it was going to ruin my career. And do you know how he knew? Because he was about to stop me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the military knows this. They're a good template for this. We know that they are struggling to get the right idea about the VA and our hospitals. They have to fix it because it's part of their readiness. And we are the best fighting force in the world. Let, let, me, are- let, me, let me ask you something. As sure. I listen to you, are you always this optimistic? Yes. You are a positive force. I'm just listening to you. Well, thank you. Yes, I am. I have to be. Because the world would tell you that there's no hope. But we know that there are miracles every day, Mark. Mm-hmm. Every day. And, and yes, you know, I am strong in my faith. I love where I work because I know that I can ask my coworkers to pray for me or pray with them. Or, and it's not a place where that's out of place. I think that when you are purposeful in your life, you have to make sure that you're in the right place, surrounded by the right people. You know, the military doesn't send 
250 people on a Navy SEAL mission. They send like a couple dozen because they know they've got the right people. And that's how we should missionize our lives. What's your next goal? And, and your listeners know you're very successful. And at the same time, I was listening to you just a few minutes ago. Uh-oh. You're on fire about change. And why is that, Mark? Because you have that same spark of hope. And you know that if you don't leave your feet planted and you've got good surrounded, you know, you're surrounded by good forces, that anything is possible. And so that's where I stay with my hope. I know that we need clutch people around us but we also need to be clutch for other people. It opens up so much opportunity in our lives, and it reminds us of that one strand that runs through everything, and that's integrity. Think about how many people are just deciding right now they're not getting on the high road. Mm-hmm. There's so much room on the high road. You and I could drive a convertible anything <laughs> we want. It never rains on the high road. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm honking my head, saying, Mark, I'm gonna see you, we're on the high road. That's where people need to stay, because when the opportunities come up, and they will, we're ready. I, my, my one concern about where the nation is right now is that it is losing sight of its potential and concentrating on what divides us. And so I would say this, and I write about this in the book, it's okay to debate. I like to debate, too. I do a show called Outnumbered. Love to have you on sometime. Great, by the way, great show. Thank you. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, we'd sit there, we'd, we'd talk. You got uh, Everybody fun. would hate me. No, they wouldn't. Because we'd talk and we'd, we'd, you know what we would do? Oh. We'd concentrate less on who's right and more on what's right. There you go. I now, mean, let, me, let me ask you a question here. This one fascinates me. Wear camo rule. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. It means come ready. For whatever it takes. So when I was starting out in the business, people would say, Harris, you're so overdressed. It's not all about fashion, by the way, but I'll get to that in a second. And you know, in my early 20s, the reason, Mark, that I would kind of dress and, and boy, those credit card bills were fierce. I mean, I was well into my marriage before I was paying some of that stuff off, but it was worth it because I needed to be, you know, in that nice blue suit or that nice red dress or whatever it was to compete as an early reporter because I loved it when people would con- confuse me with my boss. Mm-hmm. Because they knew I was going places. They were mm-hmm. like, wait, did you get a promotion? And I'm like, well, not yet, but I'm working on it. So camo is the gear that a SEAL or a Green Beret goes into battle with. They wear different colors. They take the weaponry that is necessary. It is the whole toolkit of gear, if you will. And that's how we need to go to work every day. When you go to work, part of our gear mark is to make sure we brew Everything, such that when we engage in a debate, we mean it. Mm-hmm. Things don't just accidentally happen. And, you know, people write stuff about us all the time. I, I've stopped reading the blogs. I was on The View last week, and I just had to stop reading everything. And I got applause there, and then people were mad because that happened, and I realized that I'm living my truth, and I'm really trying to help people. Now, hold on theirs. there. I like that line. You're living your truth. What yeah, do you mean by that? You know how I know? Because everybody's mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or or everybody feels motivated and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. That was the case for that audience. I wasn't going to let it go negative with the, the ladies on the on the table there at, at the view. And my girlfriend what, was it was Megan it uncomfortable? McCain was there? Yeah, uh, not for me because yeah. I was there was my girl McCain, fellow military brat, wrote the back quote on my book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know who I am. I, I'm. You're, really you're, you're, let me tell you something. You're fascinating. 
so are you. Well, forget Thank about you. me. But no, no, but, but you're fascinating. The book is, it's a remarkable book. And, you know, it's almost like you have to be a psychologist to write this book. I know you're not a psychologist. No. But, no. but, but this seems, this was in you for years, I bet, this book. I journaled this book since I was a teenager. Yeah. Because I realized that I had something that the other kids didn't have, and they had something I didn't have. And what I wanted to do was be around the good kids. And when I would make the wrong decision, because I don't want to sugarcoat this, there's a part in the book where my mom realizes that I'm hanging out with some girls who are active. You know what I mean? Mm. She used to call them fast girls, which meant yeah. that they were quick to we, do we stuff know what that she I meant. shouldn't be doing. You're right. Yes. They were quick to be doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Yes. So my mother looked at that, and she said, well, I can tell Harris Kimberly no, but she's defiant. She's reaching her, you know, her womanhood. How do I do this? So my mom came up with an idea of all these chores she would have me do. She had me ironing pillowcases for the house. Now, first of all, <laughs> I, I don't even know what the benefit of an iron pillowcase outside of a hotel situation would be, do, would be anyway. And I think I caught her a couple of times coming into the house with some purchased pillowcases for me to iron. Like she was running out of pillowcases. Mm-hmm. But here's why she did it. She wanted me to understand that um, I had a role in the house. And that if I was going to be walking outside the family values, I was constantly going to be remembered of how time-consuming it would be to try to do that. And then instead of me just doing household chores, she would sit with me. And she would re-imprint those things that were our family values. And she would say, your father is a military pilot. There's a lot expected of you, Harris Kimberly. Let me review in case you're getting confused. And I think you might because you're hanging with the wrong crew. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, the stories and, and the time with mom got to be really interesting. And I got some benefits from that relationship. I, she would take me on her job, and I could earn a little money. And sooner or later, I didn't want to hang out with those other girls. It paid, literally, to be on the right road. Well, well, I, want to t- I want to tell you something. I want to remind the audience. The book is called Nine Rules of Engagement. This is Harris Faulkner. You see her on the Fox News channel. I'm already getting emails about you. Uh-oh. People are saying, I'm going to get the book. She is oh. fascinating. Uh, you are fascinating. Thank and this you. is a hell of a book. And so it's up on my social sites, folks. You can go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. You can go to Amazon, any major bookstore. And I want to strongly encourage you to get this book. These lessons are really good lessons. And the way you write... It's very fun. It is understandable. It's a great summer read. And I want to thank you for coming on. And we need to have you back if you're willing to come back one day. I would love it. We can talk about anything, news of the day, anything. You blessed me so much by having me on. I'm so excited for people to get this book. And if they send it to Fox News, I will autograph it. Uh, You have no idea what you just did. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think the books are showing up. And I'm like, I was signing for a couple of hours today because I like to really personalize it. People send letters. Some are from the military. Some are civilian. I'm getting college kids sending me notes saying, you know, which rule should I start with? All right. Well, let me ask you because really we have to go. It. Where do you, Where do you want them to send it? 1211. Oh, I know. You know what? Why don't we do this? How yes. about if I just tweet at you? Tweet at me, and then we'll figure out how to 
tweet it up. Because I'm already following you. I'm a fan. Well, thank you. Absolutely. You know, I don't, I don't follow anyone, Harris. I'm very much a loner, just so you know. Except my wife. I follow her everywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you again. I'll tweet at you. Your, your listeners will be able to see it. God bless, and we'll get together. You too. I look forward to it. God bless to you too. Isn't she fascinating, Rich? Wow, what a personality. And smart, I'm telling you. I watch this, this show she's on. Outnumbered and outnumbered overtime. I'm quite serious. I'm in my studio getting ready to tape uh, Levin TV, and I always have it on. And she's a star. She is terrific. Harris Faulkner. The book is Nine Rules of Engagement. A Military Brat's Guide to Life and Success. It's not just one of these life books. It's a fascinating book. You heard her. You heard the energy. It comes across in the pages. It is a perfect summertime read. It really is. And you're going to get some insight into uh, Harris Faulkner. It really is a terrific book. Nine Rules of Engagement. Go to Amazon.com, Mark Levin Show Facebook, or Mark Levin Show Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. I have to say, I'm invigorated now, having talked to Harris Faulkner. Nine Rules of Engagement, don't forget. It's a powerful book. Speaking of powerful, I want to tell you about the best mattress manufactured on the planet. And I know this. If it wasn't the best mattress manufactured on the planet, my family and I wouldn't own six of them. I wouldn't have one for Barney, now one for Marty. And my son, Chase, has them for both his Huskies. It's Casper. Casper was created with one goal, deliver a great night's sleep at an incredible value. This 4th of July holiday, Independence Day, experience Casper for yourself and transform your sleep like I did. I'm not kidding. Casper's team of engineers worked nonstop prototyping, collecting data, and engineering what is certainly the most comfortable mattress Period. The Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment, so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. Thanks to the breathable material, you're guaranteed to sleep cool all summer long. Try Casper yourself for 100 nights in your own home, risk-free, and they ship it to you for free in a compact box. So brilliant is this product. So outstanding is their service. That there are knockoff companies trying to catch up. They're knockoffs. Forget it. This mattress is like no other. The service is like no other. Now, if you don't love it as much as I love mine, you don't have to put it back in that tiny box. They come pick it up and refund you everything, no questions asked. So let me suggest, take your existing mattress off the bed, lean it against the wall, get your Casper. And I bet you'll get rid of that other mattress and you'll keep your Casper. This 4th of July, Independence Day, Casper's getting sleepy for summer. Go to Casper.com, save up to $225 off your order. It's a limited time only, and they mean it when they say limited time only. So really jump at this. That's, uh, terms and conditions apply. That's Casper.com. Save the $225 off your order. Casper.com. That's Casper.com. 
Well, we've gotten heavy duty into the Supreme Court, and I think that's necessary. That court belongs to us, not to the left. We the people. Those justices work for us. They're not working for the left. And so we need to raise our voices in a rational way and make the case. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Please check out Levin TV tonight. Check out Nine Rules of Engagement on Amazon. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.